0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com, that's B-A-R-E, boat Alaska.com, and tell larry you heard about it on this podcast welcome back awesome. to the podcast i have chris alderman for a second episode uh yeah. thanks for being on here chris
1: yeah, thanks, Jeff. I Appreciate the
2: opportunity,
0: buddy. Uh, Chris, the co-owner of Screaming Eagle Archery, in they have two shops—one in Wasilla and one in Fairbanks. The Fairbanks one was open. Was it this summer? Was when uh, you oh, were man. taking that one over?
1: We uh, we did that one like official open was first week in November. So we've just now made the year. Oh wow! Oh, year. okay. Yeah, yeah. So you
0: were in the first. Yeah. uh Yeah, summer season when I was up there. Wow, that's crazy. How was right. the archery business?
1: it's uh it's been great, you know the Fairbanks guys jumped all over everything and and uh <laughs> we were pretty fortunate to get loaded up with some inventory up there and trying to get everybody what they want, but as you know that's uh that's close to a lot of good fun hunting up there,
0: yeah, oh yeah, for sure but uh what's been kind of the biggest i guess challenge here or um in the different cities is it is it pretty much just you open it up and there's people that want to get uh, get in with it or are you finding there's a different style i guess uh, uh between the the two shops in the cities or, or what are some of the differences there, you're seeing there is
1: it's it's pretty funny actually we shuffle quite a bit of inventory back and forth but we've got like a monstrous family environment here in wasilla uh, but we've got a range so we've got you know kids mm-hmm. classes and leagues and lessons and a lot of stuff going on and and then not having a facility there in fairbanks yet you know you, you got to come in jeff and see that it's just a you know the smaller retail and a little service area but so we haven't even gotten to tap into that but most of the guys up there are extremely aero specific oh they uh <laughs> everybody up there is after pretty uh some of the nicer uh fancier arrow arrow stuff uh be it the shafts or accessories and whatnot so Um, not as much as that down here in the Valley, you know, everybody's just kind of a basic, let's get going. And up Mm -hmm. there it's, it's arrow specific details. Yeah. It's pretty awesome.
0: Have you found that it's kind of a reflection of maybe, I guess the level where you have more people who really know what they want. They've spent a lot of time shooting arrows. And so they know exactly what they want, or is it just a, this is kind of the cool hip thing. I'll, I'll get it.
1: It's, I, I think it's really a little bit of both. There's a lot of guys up there, very detailed. They've been doing a lot of stuff for themselves for a few years. Um, just not having access to, uh, to a crazy amount of inventory with a local store or something like that. Right. Um, and then a lot of younger military base, you know, all those guys coming in. Um, I can't remember how many people they brought on. I want to say it was like 3,500 new guys come in, families. So... Those guys are very specific in what they want based on quite a few podcasts or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, YouTube hunt shows, stuff like that. And <laughs> they've seen it and heard about it being successful. So that's kind of the direction they want to go. And then, you know, down here in the valley, we got, you know, you got a dad coming in with a couple of kids and a mom or something like that. And they're just like, yeah, give me some pretty good stuff and some, <laughs> some nice sharp hits. <laughs> so that's- it's... That's it's cool. completely different yeah do you it's
0: see awesome. more specificity when it comes to the actual shaft or the
1: the tips or or what uh, it's it's the whole it's the whole package up hmm. there we're doing a lot of of uh, micro shafts like a 4mm or an FMJ and, and even getting into some match grade stuff up there but then having having your collars like uh, from ethics or from you know from iron will somebody like that so we're putting a footer on that, adding some strength and some weight, and and just getting super fancy with every little detail. It's been it's been fun to get into that because we just don't have a lot of that down here in Wasilla, you know. <clears throat> so we get to build some some pretty awesome arrows. It's yeah. it's really a, it's a, it's a lot of fun to do that up there.
0: Yeah, when I was starting out, a buddy of mine was talking about just find something that, that kind of works and then shoot that a whole lot and then once you kind of experience right. stuff then you can figure out maybe something else that you want a and a bow right. and then then also everything else that you're that you're looking at it was the same sort of thing with fly fishing i i yes. bought one of those 60 dollar kits and it you know cast it like a 2 by 4 and then <laughs> right. you, you get the 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 best bargain one, and then you think, okay, well, I want a little bit faster action, and so mm-hmm. I can then I can unappre- appreciate what a sage would do or what one of those premium ones would do. Um, right. It's a little bit more complex, I think, with with archery because it, it seems like the model turnover is a lot faster in archery, whereas your I had a, a, mm-hmm. a sage. Um, like the z-axis was the one that i really wanted then they discontinued that after three or four years and there was the replacement for that i bought a sage vt2 and i loved it then they discontinued it and it was hard to keep track with what the replacement was so if i wanted that Mm -hmm. same rod maybe in something else it's different and now i can't even find my i have an elite ritual and i can't even find those like how how quick do they turn over the names
1: So, typically, I mean, this year was a little bit of an exception. uh, Not very many changes this year. And and then it felt like Hoyt made just like they abbreviated the name. You know, they went from a Venom Pro to a VTM. There was minor riser changes, stuff like that. But typically, those names are going to change on your high-end bows. They're changing them every year, (laughs) introducing a new model every year. You know, Matthews is typically somewhere around November 15th uh hoyt's bounced around with some october stuff or an end of the year and then everybody else is in the middle hmm. but yeah it it does it changes every year your flagship stuff is getting an update or a change or something's coming so I, I, how do you Not
0: keep all. how do you keep track of the names or if you're in the marketing like okay what do you kind of with another oh, name man. i mean this yeah. this is a cool name we're gonna we have the phase four the the right. image the <laughs> right uh monster safari i mean just oh, that's atlas prima like this is just cool words you know but man it's, right. that's got to be that's gonna be tough for the marketing folks to come up with new words
1: yeah i don't know how they do it and it seems like for the last couple of years everybody's been on on v's mm. you know it, venom and verdicts and vxr and v3 it's just been <clears throat> it's been a wild ride with the with the v stuff here lately but yeah, that's uh, that's not something I'd I'd want to be in charge of. Is it one of the? Is it difficult then when you're
0: recommending a bow, because the word the name doesn't really mean anything? You right. have to look at. I mean, is it cost or or what is it that really is separating some of these, you know, good notable brand, your Matthews, Ho, Ho, whatever? Um, is it just a price range thing? Is it a component type thing? It's a little bit of each. Like, how do you decipher the different types?
1: it's components so your your flagship stuff is is all you know the best offering from whoever um those are going to be your your higher end stuff your your mid-grade bows those names and stuff like that don't change a whole lot but you you start to lose you know plastic components or traditional cable slide to a roller guard and you're just getting the the best offering on that on the top shelf bows that those manufacturers have i no. Normally, it's dampening upgrades or new cams, a new riser, something like that. So, it's, man, about the time we get everything memorized and, and know what's what, they, they go and change it again. You know, it's a new year.
0: Yeah, got to keep you on your toes.
1: That's, that's no shortage of that. Do you see
0: some sort of new technology come out sometimes or how often does new technology come out that ends up being a little bit too gimmicky and then it ends up fading out after a couple of years because it doesn't have it, it sounds really cool and people buy into it but as far as staying power just doesn't have that does that happen very often
1: i not that i have experienced not as much No, i, I feel like these guys have i've always wondered you know if, if they've got these i'm sure they do they they've got them cooking for three or four years before mm-hmm. they let some of that stuff come out where it's got all the all the tweaks are worked out of it you know like with a phase four right now the biggest thing i'm getting is is you know you've got that dampening system in between the limbs i don't know if you've looked at that a whole lot jeff but um the new matthews has got a rubber dampener down the middle of the limb so now you've got two limbs you know per side per corner basically uh with a rubber dampener in the middle so everybody especially in fairbanks and stuff is like how is this going to hold up and and the extreme colds right so i'm sure those guys have put that to the test um, but we're working on doing some of that ourselves we're going to see how that system holds up and then of course the carbon bows you know you've got a new carbon bow from Bowtech and elite now competing with white's carbon bow mm-hmm. so we're going to see how those guys hold up to that extreme cold stuff
0: yeah there's definitely a difference a lot of people come up here and they will test their gear on an alaska trip so they took their tent up for five six seven ten however many days Mm -hmm. in august when it's not you know brutal Um, but what's the difference or is there a difference in the wear and tear if someone buys one in wasilla and is right now it's what five degrees or ten degrees if they're shooting it you know outside when it's really really cold is that wear and tear is it more exponential, or is there a, a difference? Someone that would, might be shooting down in a in a warmer climate all year, and then come up to Alaska versus right. someone who's shooting it in harsh climates year round.
1: I I don't know about the longevity of that. You know, it's it's something that we're we're starting to play with quite a bit. Um, there's some guys in in town there in Fairbanks that have said, you know, they see a lot of differences um, after being out in the extreme cold for three to five days, or seeing, you know, like on a haul road crazy winter hunt or something they're seeing differences in the field with accuracy and and arrow flight after those bows being out there for a while so that's kind of a field test that we're we're starting to play with here in the next couple of weeks after the holidays we're trying to put something together to to see what it actually does you know for ourselves mm-hmm. right, i haven't you... noticed much here in the valley you know in Wasilla, but it's definitely been colder here than lately mm-hmm. um, we've had some some pretty low temps here for a while but yeah
0: did you get a lot of the snow? Like Anchorage had a horrible snowstorm. I mean, it's when Alaskans <laughs> complain about the snow, then it must be a lot right. of snow because we'll, we'll it's you know a nuisance sometimes, but uh, it's pretty it crazy a mess. sometimes.
1: You know, we we're lucky out here. You know, Anchorage, you guys who just can't go through and plow the streets, right? That's got gotten, that's no gotten nowhere to go. So that's a that's a whole different show there. But yeah, we've got we got almost four feet with all those Ooh. crazy storms. Uh, I've I've been here since 2008, and I've not seen that much snow that fast that early. I thought it was a blast. Me and the kid had a blast, but it's definitely <laughs> a, not fun moving around. And of course, they were out of school all week, so they loved it. But yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. You start thinking about the impact, you know, with uh, a couple bad winters for, uh, sheep mm-hmm. and for, uh, and for moose, yeah. uh, if it's gradual, you can kind of, you know, they can maybe figure out themselves, but it, do you see, right. um, kind of a difference? Are there, you know, moose just frantically looking for a, a Fred Meyer parking lot or, or yeah, there's a lot the of animals? moose on the
1: roads. Yeah. There's a lot of moose on the roads here and hanging out in driveways and yards and on the, on the streets, just trying to get a break. And then, uh, I was actually talking to a, to an older pilot friend of mine today <coughs> he's got a nice cabin out behind Thalkeet in some ways there in the mountains. And uh...
2: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com waypoint That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint.
1: They didn't have a lot of bears last year where he sees tons of bears, tons of bears. He just didn't see that much last year. And it's it's kind of the opposite of what's happening this year with the the snow. But with the snow and the warm up and the freezing again, he thinks that quite a few bears got stuck in the den and Mm -hmm. died in the dens. Mm. And uh, we were just talking about what the snow load was going to do to that, you know, do to them for that again. And, um, the past couple of years, Unit 16 has gotten quite a bit of snow, and there's just moose kill everywhere, winter kill. You know, you go for a go for a snow machine ride and see some moose, and then on the way back, you know, a, a day later, they're laying there in the trail dead. Yeah, it's amazing
0: yeah. just to think how obviously this isn't the, the these last couple of winters have not been the first bad winters that the species have all survived so many right. ebbs and flows of that so you think all right well we'll probably pop out of this our our impact or it is different cuz you're going to have you know the roads where mm-hmm. things are going to get hit more and you're going to have predators and and humans and hunting and all that sort of interaction but yeah it is pretty amazing right. i was watching um a reel on instagram because you know i'm i'm an intellectual yeah, um, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I saw, uh, I don't know if it was a, I think it was a cow that just got its legs taken out. Cow moose uh, got oh, its yeah. legs taken out, kind of flipped over the top of the vehicle and then ended up walking off. But those things are terrifying mm. because you hit, you knock out the legs and then hundreds of pounds just lands on the top of the vehicle.
1: Yeah, moving at that speed too. Have you had any coming
0: through. any close interactions?
1: No, we've uh, we've been pretty lucky. I mean, I you know I hear quite a few guys, and I I know some guys. Uh, my dad and them they've known some friends of theirs. It's had moose interactions on the roads, uh, coming through the windshields and over the hoods. But oh. we've been fortunate to, to not have to deal with any of that stuff. Yeah, Man, they are be- they are all over the roads. So crazy here, yeah. Jeff. It's definitely a lot more this this winter.
0: My aunt and uncle live in Walsilla. My uh, aunt was telling a story about how I think she was coming back out from Anchorage uh, into the valley and a moose just ran out and like jumped over the hood and then (laughs) kicked, kicked the, uh, kicked the, I think the the quarter panel with uh, its back hooves. And so she was on the phone with insurance and, you know, of course got some insurance lady down in wherever. Right. I said, yeah, you know, uh, Moose jumped over the hood of my car and then, you know, kicked it. And so there's, there's some damage. And the lady was just like, ma'am, you can't be calling in. This isn't a joke. This is for serious. Right. And she's like, no, I'm seriously, I'm in, I'm in Alaska. These are the types of things that happen in yeah. Alaska. And it took her a while to kind of get convinced, but, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> just the whole thing. We don't have that around here. We have blacktail deer that we might see on the road every once right. in a while. But yeah, those, those big ones, that's a whole different ball game.
1: Speaking of Instagram. Yeah. I have seen your, uh, your little comment there on the temperatures you're having to deal with too huh yeah
0: we 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 get maybe a week a year where it gets into the 20s or so so we're not right. we, we don't do teens very often so <laughs> we've had a couple days where we've been in the teens and and things are things are not running great we've had power for the most of it which is great and right. you know haven't had pipes freeze but some other people have been pretty rough. We're just not built for that. Our infrastructure is not meant for, for that. It's a lot more of the rainy in 37 and, you know, an yeah. occasional week in the upper 20s, so it's
1: it's been rough. Yeah, some friends of mine in Tennessee, they're fixing a deal with a couple of days of sub-zero, which is seems Ooh. odd to me, but... Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I was... Uh, I think Wyoming is getting some, and they have all that wind, too, so that's, that's just right. brutal, negative 20 with wind chill of, of whatever it is. It's just...
1: Yeah, that's rowdy.
0: Yeah. Mom's down in Tucson, so she's doing okay.
1: Nice. <laughs> Soaking it up.
0: Yeah. Do, uh, this time of year do you start thinking about uh do you get out during uh during the holiday season or anything to go warm up, get a little uh warmth And uh, Previously
1: come back Yeah, pre Rona we did quite a bit. Um and we're actually we're gonna hit ATA, Archery Trade Association. Mm-hmm. Um that's coming up here like uh eleventh through the fourteenth of January. It's not much of a break, and of course it's in Indianapolis, so for some reason, I'm sure it'll be colder and snowier there than here, but yeah. that seems to be our luck mm-hmm. um, no, I mean holiday stuff and all that it's we're, we're trying to be here for everybody and our customers and taking yeah. care of everything you know you got you got a lot of kids bow sales, so all those all those presents are going out, and then yeah. they're coming back in getting set up, so
0: yeah,
1: typically six weeks first six weeks of the year we're basically busy doing the work that we've been selling for the last six weeks. So yeah. do you go to a lot
0: of shows or is there just one or two or things you focus on <laughs> as a, you know, I've always thought about going to, you know, shot show or some of these other right. kind of things as a way to, you know, connect network with other yeah. writers, podcasters, things like that. But I think, man, like a lot of this stuff happens during the summer and it's pretty nice to be here during the yeah. summer. I think shot show is in, in, in January or February, but, I don't know. Do you, you go to many of those?
1: We've, well, I've not been to SHOT Show. So the way our trade works is uh, Archery Trade Association, you, you got to be a, a part of NABA in and in a shop. So that is typically like your second week of January. We'll hit that. We'll go network, see all our guys, because um, there's not very many reps that come up here, and there hasn't been in the past. So we'll go see everyone there, look at some new stuff. Um, get our hands on it, and then like you said, do some good networking, have a good time, meet some people. <clears throat> That's your big one. Then in uh, typically middle of February is NABA show, which is National Archery Bars. That one is historically has been in like Reno. We've done that one time, but that that winter time there, we're we're pretty busy here indoors. Um, never had the time for a shot show, and then like you said, it's springtime, summertime, and we're not leaving here much during then so yeah. Yeah. um typically just the ata is is the one that we we shoot for because it's historically it's been been the most uh active with everybody there so
0: how have those things changed throughout the years or have you been going uh, long enough to really measure uh, or, or look at a difference in the in the industry
1: yeah it's man it's been we've been doing this for since 13 so we've seen it I've seen it really high, peaked out. There was some really good ones like Nashville and in Louisville, Kentucky. That, was, that one was a lot of fun. It seemed like there was more people there than, you know, in the Indianapolis one. Uh, it's kind of funny. It seems everybody almost complains and wishes it was in Texas or somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, other than Indianapolis in a January. But uh, 2020 was the last time we went. Personally, my wife and I had some friends go last year, but we didn't go because of, you know, all the corona stuff. Yeah. But it seems that now everything, all your big companies, like I don't think Matthews and Hoyts go on. So some of your bigger bow companies and accessory companies are just not even going to be there. Hmm. They've they've been able to find a way to offer all that stuff, you know, offer your sales and your specials and and your buying discounts and all that just through the computer, or over the phone, or whatever. Yeah. I uh, other than not getting your hands on the stuff. Yeah kind of
0: sucks, but... I think I crushed the dreams of one of my students. She was talking about how she wants to be a professional hunter, and she was talking about some of the hunters that she looks up to, and I thought, well... I gave her, like, way too much information. I said, well, what you have to do is you have to think about where the industry is going to be when you are, you know, four, five, six years from now, because 2013, it was... You know, when social media was proliferating, there was there used to be all these brands who would have ambassadors, and the ambassadors they'd mm-hmm. they'd look for the ambassadors, and then now with so many people sharing stuff on social media, they can get yeah. free marketing from people who just want their stuff to be shared, and so in exactly. in order to stand out, and like right now, the influencer it seems like the influencer space is saturated with people who are just they have numbers that don't really mean anything and then you're having right you know so what is it going to be in a couple years and so i said it's going to be important for you to be able to not only just you know take photos but be able to write and be able to create and be able to fill whatever void is necessary otherwise you're going to be running an old an old program right That's not really relevant anymore and she's kind of looked at me like Oh, huh. right. I'm yeah. sorry. I think that's way that's way <laughs> yeah. too much. But I, I I told her I'm thinking about the same sort of stuff with with writing, and you know what's going to be the the next platform? What's going to be the next you know thing? So right. podcasting. I mean, everyone has a podcast now. There's still tons yeah. being added to it. So you know, standing right. out in a meaningful way, being yourself, like who you talk to, like that sort of marketing plan is is so important.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, we hunting so. You know, I remember those guys talking about, you know, it's not going to be on, you know, cable TV or satellite TV or anything like that. It's all going to go to just your computer base. And that's, that's exactly what's happening. You know, like the Mossy Oak guys have their own thing where you can just get in and look at all the hunting shows, you know, YouTube and those guys are getting rid of a lot of it because it's, you know, you hurt somebody's feeling over it. Mm -hmm. So everybody's gotten going to their own thing.
0: Yeah. I've just... I was thinking today about how many TV shows are still going that I don't even know about. When I had cable down in California, I'd I'd watch some of the Outdoor Channel, and there there'd be some shows. But I don't, I don't watch that anymore. I don't. It obviously still exists, but in my world, I haven't seen anything like that—Bill Dance or any of those things. Forever, you know, the the bass fishing, the whitetail hunting. I, I don't see any of that stuff. If someone happens to go whitetail hunting, but it seems like I. It seems like I'm not watching anything that is east of Kansas, and there's right. so much just about Western hunting and Alaska hunting. I just don't have the time mm-hmm. to, or it's yeah, even don't sit even sit do around it. and
1: look at it. Yeah, and then you go right. on
0: on YouTube, and it's just feeding you the same stuff. It's not going to throw you some Alabama whitetail hunt mm-hmm. because you know there's plenty of other stuff to be watching. So it's crazy to just think about how really? there's there's no gatekeepers, and so. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, you just got a, a world of shorts, and you you check out a a thirty second highlight reel, and you got the gist of what happened, and you you know you're moving on, going to the next one. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, it's, definitely different. Do you uh, you think about where we're headed? And um, obviously, it's it's been it's a great time to be an outdoors person. Like the technology with hunting and optics, and it's just it's gear. I mean, so, such a great time to be a, be a hunter. Are you
1: excited about the future? Yeah. I'm kind of, I kind of get stuck on what are they going to do next? Mm -hmm. You know, with the, with the bows and the, and the arrows and the, all the gear stuff you've got out, it's like, man, how, how does it get any better? Yeah. I just, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, something cool and just groundbreaking, but at the same time, I have no idea. What could be done, or even what what guys are working on to make it better? It's just it's definitely wild because it's gotten so good in the last ten to fifteen years. Yeah, and they've already used all the stuff. They've
0: already used the term uh, "bomb proof" and "game changer" so much that like I don't, I don't <laughs> you know, don't even pay attention. I don't know what the new term's going to be. Yeah, there's a lot of marketing yeah. that goes into it. I found that some of the stuff that I've used a while ago is was cheaper and better when uh, during rut I use. Uh, just a pair of Grunden's bibs that are waterproof. Right. I mean, they're going to, yeah. you know, so you can sit down wherever. If you need to put your knee into the side of a hill as you're going up or you slip and fall, it's going to be fine. If you need to kneel as you're uh, taking care of a it's, deer, you know, you're going to be dry. It's hard to beat that. Um, yeah. And then I have an old it's pair of rubber. Cabela's Zones uh, jacket and pants, and they're, they're, it's kind of heavy comparatively, but it's, you know, keeps you dry and it's and it's warm so some of that stuff that layering stuff that you can't really it's if you're either wearing all of it but if you do need to vent a little bit if you're hiking it's just not quite as convenient so i don't know when i'm when i'm hunting rut i'm I'm using old stuff i'm looking like an uh, like an old timer
1: (laughs) straight off the fishing boat yeah yeah i've tried all that stuff i don't know like you said you you know want to go layering there's 17 different pieces of clothes you got to take or just carry something nice and warm in the, in the rubber is, is definitely the way to go. It seems. Mm -hmm. I see the, the moose
0: program up there is a lot of waders, just the rubber stuff doesn't really matter a whole lot. Have you found there's a, there's a piece of gear that was kind of, I don't even want to say game changer, but really made a difference as far as uh, how you hunt or how you were able to hunt or, stay warm or dry or anything
1: no i haven't <laughs> it's it's going i tried everything jeff and i went right back to what you did you know that the windproof waterproof rubber you know your Grundins putting that stuff on um we've been out fishing with some fancy gear hunt with some fancy gear and and you look around at what all the guys are wearing that live there and they're they're wearing the same thing you're talking about putting right back on yeah i, th- I think it's hard to beat that it's you take so much stuff and hope for the best. And then when it doesn't work, you know, you've, you've spent all this money on, on a lot of stuff. that's just mediocre. Yeah. I think one of the biggest gimmicks that hasn't worked out
0: is anything that's called guide wear. I've never, ever seen a guide wear guide wear. It just seems like like. someone that's like, Ooh, this is guide type quality. And then you wear (laughs) it on the charter and it's, it's brand new looking and the guide's wearing something else. And there has to be a moment where like, Oh wait, you don't, you don't wear this oh i paid it's 100 extra
1: bucks for this right I'll probably i'll probably get get chewed on pretty good for it but it's kind of like the term pro staff it just kind of makes you roll your eyes and go the other way yeah (laughs) what constitutes that right that's
0: that's (laughs) no what are the qualifications but not a whole lot no not a
1: whole lot anything anymore
0: Now it's weird. I wonder if there's going to be a consolidation of things. If, if the market's going to kind of swing back to a more, Hey, let's, let's look for some, some different voices or some, right. um, And it seems too, that you got, a lot of the you have so much more information out there, so there's so many different hunts that are available to people, which is awesome because then you can say, Oh that I'm not as intimidated. I can go down to Wyoming and I can hunt elk. That's great. All I need is a couple of points. I can figure this out. There are the resources yeah. out there. I can figure this out, and this is awesome it's, but at the same time, it starts to become you start to look at your resume and look at all the stuff that you haven't done, compare yourself to other people. And Mm -hmm. the people that are big in the industry that get the pro deals or whatever are the ones who have this prolific hunting experience, but the average person can't afford that. The average person might be able to, if they save forever, you know, get one doll sheep hunt. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. There's
1: quite a few guys that that move here just to try to make that happen, Mm -hmm. you know, for the cost of that and. And uh, that's something that I've never gotten into, uh, you know, being from the South and then moving up here. I, man, some of the points things in some of the states where, you know, like elk hunting is something my wife and I'd love to, love to do. It's, it's high on the list of to dos. But every time you start looking into another state, it's, you know, well, you got to have 12 preference points. And I'm like, all right, well, how do you do that? Oh, well, you got to, you got to put in for 12 or 13 years. And then by then, you know, it's probably going to be 18 points. So it's like, Man, I'm not. I'm not even going to be around that long. Like, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to want to have 20, 25 points, and yeah, it's uh, it's kind of mind-boggling, and it's almost irritating. But yeah, you have some of the opportunities that you can't get into. You
0: need a, you need a time machine. That's uh, step one. Get a time machine. Go back. Start buying those points when you're younger, when you can afford that's, it. I do. Th- that's a fact. Think part of that is I I was once I became aware of what was else was out there. I really wanted to do as many hunts as possible. And now just kind of being aware of what's out there and yeah. the impossibility of some of those hunts, it's, it's really made me appreciate kind of what I have here. So I'm kind of glad that I fell for that a little right. bit. And now I'm like, man, I get to, I get to do this. I get to do blacktail hunting and I get four tags per year. And this mm-hmm. is, this is a money hunt. This is such a fun, this is a great hunt. And there's nothing at all That's wrong fantastic. with specializing in your local hunt and just knowing that. Right. And so then you start to see some of the big names in the industry that they specialize in one thing and they love it. And you don't get the impression that they are just, Oh man, I really wish I could have done this Epic hunt or my life is lacking because I haven't done, you know, 26 animals. Guys like Robbie Denning right. who, I mean, he's mule deer all the time, you know, and maybe yeah. done a cool this or that hunt, you know, Brady Miller, or some of those other guys that just, this is what I love to do, Corey Jacobson. Just all about elk, and that's—it's like, hey, you know what? It's okay to. It doesn't mean that I you're less of an right. outdoors person, or you're less marketable, or whatever. You you should be less happy because you only get to hunt whatever is around in Alaska. Like that's that's all time well, opportunity.
1: That's, yeah, and that's a conversation we almost have here daily. You know, you get a, a lot of people that are just here or they're just fixing to be a resident and they're excited to get out and do some hunting here in alaska but they they get stuck in that thinking they have to put in for the draw tags and i have to explain to them like no you can still you can still get a tag you just you might not have a special zone or a special date or or you know like an any ram tag versus versus trying to get into something you know nice in some of those other zones where you got to be on the full curl side of of stuff or just a an any bull tag or a you know, instead of brow tines and stuff like that, you can still have the opportunities to get here local and go do your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's quite a few guys that talk about the elk down by you. I mean, do you guys have op- good <laughs> opportunities? See any of those things, or they as elusive as it sounds?
0: It's it's pretty tough.
1: That's
0: uh, that's a that's a, yeah. that's a tough draw. Um, I drew it once before I really knew anything, and now yeah. if I don't know, I'd, I'd, I would probably sp- much more likely to spend money on a fly out to go blacktail deer hunting just at a different lake or something like that. But I think, well, why? I mean, I have, there's some good stuff around here. There's going to be more pressure, but it's over the counter, save a ton of money and then, you know, go up North and do caribou or something like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's really helped me focus. And I, it took a little bit of, you know, go, You kind of go down that path and you then Mm -hmm. reel back and think, Hey, 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 man, you're not, you're not missing out. If you have the chance to maybe draw a mule deer in Wyoming and do it. You know, I'm, that's, that's, the only place that I'm getting points is Wyoming. Cause I don't want to,
1: Okay. Right. that whole
0: Idaho thing where everyone is posting their story about waiting, you know, being 65th, 5,000th mm-hmm. or whatever in line. And, you know, just <laughs> signaling to everybody else that you're also putting in for that, which is why so many people are, you know, cause it's, yeah. you start talking about Idaho or this or that. And it's like, Hey man, I don't want to get caught up in that. You know, just really got to appreciate cause I don't want to, I don't want to fall back in that. I want to keep this appreciation for <laughs> You know, getting two bucks in 30 days of hunting, that's fine with me. That means that I was out doing a quality hunt that people love to do or would dream of doing. I get to do that 30 days and two days I was successful. So I I have to be happy about that.
1: Yeah. Only happy off. I've only had the opportunity for that on Kodiak, which is, man, that was such a good time there chasing the deer. Deer is uh, one of my favorite things definitely good times with that i'd love to i've never been
0: there and it just the train looks much different than southeast it looks right. pretty rugged but you can see so much more when you're hunting rut around here like you can't glass you're you're getting to a muskeg and so you're looking 40 to 50 yards at uh-huh. most but it's just these little like pocket areas because it's just dense forest yeah. so up there people hunting in august where it's you know there's a lot of it's really thick and tall berry bushes and alders and whatnot, but you can still glass and see and the alpine up here, you can do that for sure. But then once, uh, once they drop down into the trees, man, it's, 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 Different. it's tough. There's no,
1: yeah. Like you
0: bring the, the binos and put them on your chest just so you can kind of see through the woods. Cause they can kind of blend in a little bit. And you see something that's bedded or you're looking for eyes. It's just so right. thick. So you need the binos for that. You're looking 30 yards in front of you. Um, uh, but yeah, I think the Kodiak hunt would be a pretty cool one, and it's pretty popular now.
1: It's a good time, yeah. And see, I've not been down there with you guys. I've not been to Southeast, so <clears throat> just going from all the stories and stuff I see down there, trying to trying to draw an idea of of how fun it looked to be,
0: yeah. It's, it's, Alaska is such a big state. It's, it's hard because you can't do all these things. It's not just a matter of driving. <laughs> you know, if you live down in Colorado or something like that, you can get all these, a uh, pocket Correct. full of tags and just spend a lot of money in just gas. Go. And that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. But man, Southeast is just not connected. So, you know, Correct. if you're in Anchorage, you can drive down the peninsula. You can go up north. You can, you know, we flew into Fairbanks, did the Hall Road and came back. And that was, yeah. Crazy drive, beautiful, epic. But you know, you're right. crossing through a couple different uh, game management areas and looking at what's what's Absolutely. available. That's that's a lot of fun. But Southeast is. I don't hear a lot of people from up north coming to Southeast. I hear people up north going to Kodiak, but <laughs> yeah. there's no reason to go to Ketchikan or Sitka when you guys got Kodiak.
1: <laughs> that's a fact.
0: What uh, what's your main hunt? You is uh, moose? Kind of the the big one that you that you do. <laughs>
1: In the past, yeah, we we spent a lot of time on moose. This this past year, Jeff, we didn't. Uh, we just wanted to focus on the caribou stuff. Mm-hmm. But I know you went with a friend of yours and had a good time up there. So um, I hunted the Hall Road uh, mid-September mm-hmm. after Labor Day weekend. And we had some gorgeous weather. I mean, no wind, no rain, just bluebird days. I said I could send you some pictures. It's just insane up there. Lots of Lots of opportunities in caribou around. we had some friends of ours with us uh amber and craig and and they got some bulls with their bows had a good time um My wife and I and my daughter we were all hunting together for the first time up there on caribou. lots of close calls, but no shots fired so learned a lot. that's definitely different up there being in that open tundra trying to get after the animals and and use the terrain as as you know oh but uh <laughs> that was had the opportunity to go back for a, for a one day in the wintertime in October and, and just man at the animals everywhere. That was insane. But uh I didn't capitalize there either. So lots of learning this year on the caribou. That's I think I'm gonna shoot for that again next year as well. Is there more of
0: a is it more of a local hunt in uh September, October? It seems like that's not the time when <laughs> Seems like maybe mid to late August is when you get kind of maybe the peak, the out uh peak lower forty ers or, or non resident hunters. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't remember the exact date, but I'm pretty sure it's right there. I want to say September 10th, somewhere in that. After Labor Day weekend, it goes to resident only, oh, which okay. is that was our plan yeah. is to go after the non-residents were gone. I think we seen two or three trucks hunting the whole time. Oh, wow, <laughs> nice. We uh, we didn't do a lot of driving. We were we were close to the river and found quite a few caribou that we were after every day and. Um lot, not a drive, not a lot of driving around, a lot of hiking around, having a good time and, and trying to do a little exploring and a lot of learning. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was
0: crazy to be up there and just the lack of caribou was, was startling. And then you drive all the way up right. to Dead Horse and you think, well, where are they be coming from? So like, if this place <laughs> is just going to be all of a sudden swarming with caribou, they got to come in from the east or the west and then funnel down this way or something. It was. It was crazy. It right. were not even like off in the distance. And we, we did the hike past the five-mile boundary. And once you get north oh, of those wow. foothills, like there's no texture. We thought that there would be something, but there was just nothing. What we thought was a, it was a nice little, you know, maybe house-sized with a garage, single-story-sized um, mound ended up being like the yeah. size of a kitchen table. Because you just get didn't get any depth perception or frame of reference oh yeah everything's
1: just so flat and open oh it was
0: horrible we thought it was about Mm -hmm. two miles away and it ended up being a couple hundred yards away and we get there and think dude there's there's nothing this is not a glassing knob this is right just a small piece of dryness so that was and we didn't see anything so um yeah we end up coming back and get gotten more to the foothills and some of that texture Uh and saw a couple more but a lot more people too
1: Right, yeah, and we, same thing, when we were up, we had some friends of ours actually uh, take a little boat up, and they jumped in the river and went to the five miles out, because one guy's just a rifle hunter. He doesn't have his bow stuff, so he, you know, had to get out of that five mile, and they ended up seeing a pile of muskox. Oh, yeah. But they couldn't hardly find any caribou, huh. so.
0: Yeah, it was cool seeing those things, too. I they had, It was a while. I figured that, you know, they were there, but it hadn't really registered, so when we saw one, I was dude, there's one right there. And then there was another <laughs> one, and there was li- yeah. the little ones are awesome. They just that's yeah, cool. is They are all, they are really cool. Yeah, so it was saw, I don't know, probably a dozen of them over the trip, and then um, right some bears and a couple of caribou. Yeah, it was just an amazing trip. And then just the drive going up over the the pass
1: is is oh, something else. Yeah, we had uh, we got to the top, man. It's pretty cool. It was some it was some sheep up there running around. Oh, really? Um, yeah, when we went over the top, there's a little bit of snow up top. And there was some sheep on the side of the road. So it was unexpected. You know, my daughter, it was pretty cool. I mean, we're just rolled the window down there. You know, they're 10 feet away to take some pictures of them. That's pretty
0: awesome. Probably a couple full so, of curls, right? Because it was closed?
1: Uh, No, they were just <laughs> <laughs> they were just slams and used. Mm. But, <laughs> yeah. No, nothing with any, any fun stuff on yeah. it, of course. I can't
0: imagine doing that during the winter. Those those truckers, man, coming down that, either side of that is just.
1: Those, yeah, it's a wild ride. Yeah.
0: Did you stop in Coldfoot for the buffet? Absolutely. Ah, man, that's... Well, actually, guess how can you not? Because the stop before <laughs> that is way before. But man, that's... I, I, w- yeah. I don't know if I would do that again, but part of me thinks it would be kind of neat to just kind of fish the way, but definitely got to take right. two to three weeks, I think, and just... Because it is a lot of driving. Uh, it is,
1: yeah. But... We took, I took the girls up. So i you know, working for Cat when I first moved up, I worked for Caterpillar here and seed machinery for a while. So I worked up there a lot and got to know some guys and, and a few of the companies up there. So I had been, um, but I, I wanted to drive up and my daughter was interested. So we actually, you know, from Wasilla there and back, she's done it. And, uh, it was pretty cool to see. And, and we seen a lot of, a lot of caribou, a lot of fox, the muskox. Mm. We didn't see any bears, mm. um, so we had, we had a good trip, a lot of, a lot of opportunity, um, uh, her and I and my wife belly crawling and army crawling and having a good time. And, and just, you know, just into that zone, I, I needed to get her like 60 yards or so. And we'd get into 80, 90, you know, some seventies on these and start getting really excited and, you know, get busted or one of them sees us or, or something like that. But we tried to keep the driving to a minimum, but we we did go to the top man we had a fantastic time up there yeah
0: what's your your camping program do you have an arctic oven or we saw one no, guy that had um, a full-on canvas tent and had uh right some some firewood stacked outside on it like, man this guy's going pretty big and we saw that he had his wife and kids like oh this is a big old this is a yep. this is a comfort camping program family trip that's awesome yep
1: exactly we did we took uh I scored a while back. I've, I found it here on Marketplace or something years ago. It was a Montana Canvas builds the tent, and it's a canvas style, but it's a wall tent with a synthetic floor. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we did. We took the wood stove. We packed our firewood and, and tried to keep tried to keep nice and dry because you know you never know what you're going to get. But man, we just ended up having great weather. And I mean, the mornings were pretty chilly and cold with some frost, but That was awesome. Yeah. That's, that's what we took. I've not been around the, the Arctic oven stuff a whole lot, but there was a, there was a few in the group. So.
0: Yeah. There's, there's, when you can have a little bit of potential misery or a little bit of, of Uh harshness, it just makes it pretty rich. I don't want crazy survival stories. I'd rather not have, be the old guy with a bunch of those. That's fine. Um, with me, but, uh, but it is kind of nice to be kind of close to that edge and uh wake up with a little snow around or or something like that but yeah i'm not i'm not out seeking for seeking hardcore or anything
1: no we we were pretty lucky man we had a couple of trucks going up jeff so we had you know toppers and we took way too much stuff and tried to spoil the girls and yeah we had we had a good time and i mean it's you know i blame it on that i say we're spoiling the girls but (laughs) i well, sit around a, a wood stove any night
0: so yeah absolutely that's so nice forest service cabins down tough. here are awesome to, to get a hold of if you can get them rented and um right yeah there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with overpacking nothing wrong with uh being totally prepared
1: no i agree uh.
0: <laughs> well man what uh what do you got uh pitch wise to to close this thing down here can people um find you online where can they sign up for lessons if they're in uh wasilla or um actually you don't have them in fairbanks yet but um right yeah. where, where can we're they find getting
1: you there we're, so we're working on website upgrades we're trying to get that streamlined online and and get caught up here still a little old school just give us a call here at Wasilla store um craig's coming in instructing we we've got judy she's running instructor stuff and and uh homeschool classes we are working on uh, a lesson schedule for Fairbanks. We're trying to get in there. Uh, Golden North Archery is the local club there in town. Those guys are great with us. So if you buy a bow in Fairbanks, you get a year membership with them if you take them your receipt of the purchase. Cool. So those guys are in, they've got a nice indoor range They're running some leagues and trying to keep things going there. And so i give you somewhere nice and warm to shoot. So we need to fill their club up and support those guys. Um, but while gives a call, like I said, Fairbanks, we're working on that. And uh whatever we can do, uh you guys just give us a shout, reach out to us any way possible. Awesome. And then um social media? Yep, we're on there. Not a whole lot. It's and it's kind of drives me nuts, but <laughs> it's part of the it's part of the gig. We just don't get on there a whole lot. Um, but you can message us on the Facebook Fairbook, uh Fairbanks has its own Facebook deal. Wasilla's got it separate so that we can keep track mm-hmm. of who's who. Uh, Instagram is all one thing. We're, you know, as soon as those things ding, we see it on the phone or the computer there. So we will try to get back onto that as much as possible, but taking care of the customers in front of us at the time. Nice. Email, of course, is simple, but we still like the traditional phone call so that I can just yak yeah, and get a voice in my ear and talk to somebody. So nice. Well, thanks, man. Mm-hmm. I appreciate
0: your time as always, and uh, good to hear from you and good to chat.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Appreciate your time.
0: Take buddy. care.